0: Welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts Ozban. here, Dana here with my friend, Chabruta Ann Gordon. Our dap today, Masachat Yivamot, dap, samach, Olive, page 61. So as we discussed yesterday, I think this dap with its four mishnayahs is sort of going to bring a lot of our previous disturbing dapim uh, together because this is really going to sort of give the practical halacha. Whereas I think uh, the last few dapim were testing a lot of outer limits of theoretical halacha Uh, now we're going to get into a lot of practical things about Kohanim and who they can marry and when they can get married. So uh, we're just going to sort of go back and forth quickly with these Mishnayos. Um, Let's say a Kohen does a Rusin with a widow, which is a permitted relationship. And then he's appointed to be the Kohen Yikones, He's actually allowed to marry her. Okay, we can all breathe a big sigh of relief, right? Because uh, there was all of this thing about, you know, not being able to, uh, you know, marry even a widow and that he had to marry a virgin, uh, Um, But now we see this is the practical piece. If he was already engaged to an almana and then becomes the Koenigadzol, they're not going to make them break that relationship up. And then to even prove this. And I think this is very interesting because we do not normally have Mishnayos that bring stories. And I wonder if part of the reason they did here is is because they almost needed to really establish the precedent because you could see how this would be one of the halachot that could very easily sort of been taken to an extreme, right? Because it would be so important to sort of people to maintain the integrity, quote-unquote, of the Kohen Gadol that you could see where maybe people would be like, no, 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 it, it has to be a bitula. And so here the mission is like, we're going to give you a story to show you how much this is not, you know, how much this is true. So there's a story where Yeshua ben Gamla, you know, did a ruse with Marta, the daughter of Bartus, who was a widow. And afterwards, the king appointed him to be the Koen gadol, and he married her anyways. And then it goes on to say, If a woman is waiting her Yavam, Right, uh, you know, before an uh, an ordinary coin, right? So, in other words, you know, you have Ruven and Shimon, they're both Kohanim. Ruven's married to Rachel, Ruven dies. Rachel's now going to marry Shimon. But what happens during that time, the Nitmanalio coin Gadol? He actually, Shimon then gets appointed to be the Kohen Gadol, even if he did Ma'amar with her. So, in other words, that's sort of an equivalent in a way to an Arusin. But that in that case, uh, he actually needs to give her a divorce, right? He would do, and then he would give her a get to dissolve the ma'mar, and then he would do um, he would do chalitza. So the Gemara has a pretty short um, discussion here. Um, one thing I just want to point out is there's this nice little interesting tidbit here about um, how Yeshua ben Gamla actually was appointed as the Kohen Gadol. And the fact that the Mishnah says it was by the king shows that he actually shouldn't have been the Kohen Gadol and there was some type of bribe that was involved because really it should be done by his fellow Kohanim and his son Hedron and it wasn't. So just pay attention to that little piece of the gemara there. Um, but again, I think this, you know, yes, the Yibum piece is a little bit complicated, um, but I think it's it's interesting to see, uh, you know, sort of that uh, the real thing that we had an issue with was like, what if he got engaged to an al to a widow, and and, and it, yes, practically, of course, he's going to be allowed to marry her.
1: I just want to mention that this Marta Bad Baitus was so known to be very wealthy, and the fact that she was very wealthy is part of the question here of, like, what got Ben Gamla to be put into this role of Kohen Gadol, you know, was, was she, in fact, bankrolling somebody to get him the job, right, which seems, you know, if it's not what should have been done, but it might be what was done. Um, and then the other thing I want to note was just Yehoshua ben Gamla. I don't remember, honestly, if we've done a who, who's who on him, and I don't want to take the time to do a full one now. But one of the things that I thought was interesting is that there seems to be a question whether there, was, whether there were two people named Yehoshua ben Gamla, one of whom we may have talked about in the past and we'll certainly talk about again in terms of who he was and known for good deeds and and establishing a school system and things like that. Or alternatively, you know, which might be the same person, this Yoshua Ben Gamal, who's the Kohen Gadol, or maybe there are two people by the same name because they seem to be in very different roles um, in the stories that we have about them. All right, next um, Mishnah. Next Mishnah. Uh, this one's really short. Kohen Gadol Shemit Achiv Cholet Slomi Abim. So you have here now a case of a Kohen Gadol who has a brother, who's, and the brother. Who's also a kohen, but not the but not the kohen gadol, right? He dies and he has no children. The kohen gadol is going to do chalitza, meaning he has to do chalitza because he can't do yibum because he cannot marry a widow because he's the kohen gadol, right? Even though yibum might kick in and eliminate eshet ach, right? Meaning there's all kinds of things that yibum um, takes precedence over. It does not take precedence over this kohen almanah prohibition, uh, which is, I think, you know, worth noting. All right. Um, the gamar here right. is also very short, but I think we could just let's just go yeah, right the on. Yeah,
0: the, the, the gamar here is uh, short. So look, I think it's interesting. What we are seeing is is that when it comes to yibum and you know yibum, there's an issue with the kohen gadol, and you know, do we like it? Maybe not, but I sort of do understand it. Okay, next mishnah. Kohen hedget lo al yonit. So an ordinary kohen may not marry a woman we know is an alioni. Remember, we learned that all the way from our first mission, Yavamos, which essentially is a woman who we know is not going to be able to bear children. Eliin Ken Yeshlo ishaw banim, unless he already has a wife or other children. In other wow. words, uh we, you know, he needs to be able to fulfill the mitzvah pro review. And he can marry her uh as long as he's able to fulfill, has fulfilled that mitzvah or has the potential to, to fulfill, fulfill that mitzvah. What I like about this Mishnah here is I think this kind of acknowledges in a way that marriage is not just about having children, right? There are other reasons people get married. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Rabbi Yehuda says, uh, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, excuse me, Rabbi Yehuda says, even if he has a wife or children, he may not marry her. Because she is the Zona married in the Torah. So as much as I like the first half of this Mishnah with the Tanakama, Rabbi Yehuda comes ahead. <laughs> Spins it all in its head, right? So we know that according to Vayikra chapter 21, verse 7, a coin cannot marry a zonah. Um, and in Rabbi Huda's opinion, the word zonah basically refers to a woman who is incapable of childbirth, so that's why he says that. Um, but a zonah is only a woman who's a convert. Uh, an emancipated slave woman, or someone who's engaged in some type of uh, illicit sexual um, activity—in other words, a, a woman who, co- you know, who is with a man who is forbidden to her, like an erva or a manzer or something, uh, or something like that. Um, so that's his missionary. Now here we have a, a little bit more Gemara. Right, it starts off with sort of trying to understand uh, uh, the reasoning. Of uh you know, of the um of the uh, of the tanakama. Um and 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 it's you know it's pretty. I'm telling Rafuna. So the Rishka Luta said to Ravuna, my time, what's the reason? Mishum Priya Rivia, right? Because he would he will not have fulfilled the mitzvah Pur Revue. Uh pure revia kohanim good to makpe beastroom But then the question is, okay, but it's not just Kohanim we have to do previous, it's also Yisrael, and we don't have that same law with the yisrael so if huna says "Amrle, mishum de kabai Limitne seifa right so he says because the mission wanted to teach in the final clause rabbi hudomer apal she isha even if he has a wife the banim, and he has children lo yisa al Yonit, shekizo nahamu De tara so koanimu lo uh me Right. Concerning the marriage of a zonah, it's only Kohanim who will have to worry about that, uh, but not about uh, Nadi Yisrael. So that's why this is specific to a Kohen, because in other words, they wanted to sort of keep the symmetry uh, of the Mishnah because of uh, because of Rabbi Yehuda. So, you know, just a little tidbit here that I think is interesting. Um you know where it's basically like showing us that the mission is constructed a certain way because the real thing they wanted to teach was not the Tanakama's opinion, but actually Rabbi Yehuda's, and therefore they only wanted to teach about Kohanim uh, for that particular uh, for that particular reason. Now, uh, now the other thing that's going to come on here later on, which I think is more important, is the following uh, brisa, Tanya. So it's, I just skipped a little bit. A Kohen may not marry a minor. So after having read all of those disturbing things about the age 3 right? <laughs> we finally get to this Brisa. And and I don't know if you felt this way. I was like, why couldn't they have just said that at the beginning?
1: <laughs> you well, know? the irony, of course, is that this like, it kind of predates it, right? We're in a Brita, but the Gemara is set up to be this, you know, I I don't know. I don't under You know, it's not set up in a way that gives you the bottom line until the end. Right. Right. It's like you
0: get the punch on it. Now, the explanation for it is interesting. It's not because we have an issue about her being a minor. It's actually because let's say he finds out later she can't bear children and that's a problem. Um, So the reasoning for it may still, you know, is still a little bit bothersome. But uh, you know, it, it it it's good to see that, and and then they even quote another bracha later, which talks about katana mit mit bayamet it right. A minor girl can be taken into yibum, but not into chalitza. You know, so look, minors were betrothed and married at a young age. I mean, it's not what happens today, but I think. But there's
1: but there's more here also, Yordina, right? Meaning it says there's a concern that like. Maybe she would end up being seduced by somebody else and that would be inappropriate for her to have been married to a Kohen if she's at risk of ending up with somebody else. And it says explicitly that petue katata onis that somebody who goes and seduces a katana uh, minor is that's considered right. Rape, rape, meaning that's what we would call statutory rape. That's exactly right. We we, you know, the Gemara is now speaking our language. Right.
0: Right. Yeah, no, no, no. The Gemara is finally speaking our language somewhat but we waited a really long time for it. A <laughs> really right.
1: long time. Yeah,
0: last Mishnah.
1: Okay, last Mishnah, and it seems like a non-sequitur, except for that it's really not. A man is not allowed to cancel, or ignore the mitzvah of Puru, right? be, fru- be fruitful or- and multiply, unless he already has... The term here is sons, but it's understood to mean children. Um, the point being here that if he's getting married, then he needs to pay attention. If he's getting married, he needs to pay attention to the potential for progeny unless he already has children. Meaning if he already has children, then he doesn't have to worry about Purvu anymore. Well, B'chameh and Hill have a makhluket. What does it mean for him to have achieved that to fulfill that mitzvah? Um, in order to be able to no longer need to worry about this. And why is this not a non-sequitur? Because what if he wants to marry this woman who's an Aylanite? And an Aylanite who, in this particular case, cannot bear children. I, I don't know if an Aylanite can never be children. She doesn't have the signs of physical maturity to to indicate that she could bear children. I don't know whether it's true, halakhically speaking, that for sure she could not, but meaning that she's totally barren forever, but the assumption is that she might well be, and can this man marry her? And the I meaning can any man marry her? And the answer is well. Do you already have children? Have you fulfilled the mitzvah puravu? Here's how Beit Shammai and Beit understand that. Beit Shammai say if he has two boys, that fulfills the mitzvah. And Ben Hill says specifically, no, he needs to have one girl and one boy, one boy and one girl in order to fulfill the mitzvah. We have a proof text from the Sefer Bereshit for the very story of creation, Zachar that God created humanity, you know, male and female, and so that's how we fulfill the mitzvah of being fruitful and multiplying. Um, the Gemara here talks about this, right, and it says specifically, you know, like, why do we What's Beit Shammai's reason? Like, why does he say two boys? And it's an interesting, it's an interesting point. He says, well, Moshe had two sons, Gershom and Eliezer. And we know this, you know, it's listed that way. These are the sons of Moses, Gershom and Eliezer. Like that's the book, in, in, That's what it, that's how they're listed which is a book of chronicles, right? It doesn't list any other children. It's not like, you know, Moshe had children and we forgot about them or they're not mentioned in detail. They're not, nobody in the Torah at any point thinks that Moshe had anybody, anybody, any other children, excuse me. So so he had two boys. So Shammai says, well, that's got to be enough because, you know, is it it the case or must it not be the case that Moshe Rabbeinu fulfilled the mitzvah? You know, and he only had two boys, so that will do the trick and Ben says, well, no, we're going to learn it from the creation of the world, where we explicitly have that, like, the in the context of humanity, of creation, we need to have, you know, again, male and female. Um, the Tomorrow's staff is going to continue with this discussion, both about Moshe and about creation, and, uh, you know, the the way we derive this, the the points of this and I think, are interesting, and at the end of the day, it doesn't surprise me that there would be this machoket Regardless, and of course, the outstanding question is: Well, what if you have two girls, right? Is it two males? Because most rabino, it has to be two boys. What if you had two girls? Will that also fulfill the mitzvah of unless you're Ben Hillel, who says you're one or the other? I mean, one of each. And obviously, it's, I suppose it should go without saying, right? You know, obviously, there are many, many, many families that have children who are only what you know with multiple children all of one kind biology even may indicate that that's you know that gets to be more likely at a certain point um and i want to say like at the end of the day it doesn't matter like that's the family that you've got right the question of whether you fulfilled the mitzvah pruravu you can have 10 children and they're all boys or they're all girls and you've added to the jewish people even if you haven't fulfilled this mitzvah according to the opinion of mid hill and i don't think too many people really worry about that except for that i do know families that try and try for one more kid and one more kid and one more kid when everybody's coming up the same sex to make sure that they could have yet another one that will be the opposite sex yeah
0: i mean i look first of all there's a very famous mock focus between hill and trump big hill and bicham it's also an interesting focus because like so much of this you can't control in life, right? So, like, right. sort of, I, like it's it's a this has always struck me as a very funny halacha, you know. Um, but uh, it, you know, it, it's you just can't control it, so that's why I just sort of never understood it.
1: Um, and we'll note, you know, this is again, this is one of those things that nowadays theoretically you could control it, and it's con- considered, you know, whoppingly unethical to do sex selection for this kind of like, oh, but I need to have another, I need to have the opposite sex because I've already got too many of the one sex. Like, no, no, nobody's going to let you do that.
0: Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to our Vinnie Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP and our Talking Tom on Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. <laughs>